Money. It affects our everyday life. But how do we make more of it? Manage it. And make sure we make the most of our money. Welcome to Money Mindful, a podcast to teach and support you as you learn to manage your money. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mindful Podcast. I am your host, Megan, money mindset and empowerment coach for women. I help you connect with your future self, transform the way you think about money, and create the extraordinary life you want to live on purpose. Do you have a side hustle? I think many of us have learned from the recent current events that having more than one form of income is definitely advantageous. It's becoming more and more common to have a side hustle, but what if you want to take your side hustle full time? How do we do it? Well, today I have Lizzie Vince from Find Your Mojo Coaching on to help us take our side hustle full-time and sell with ease. Lizzie, welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so good to have you here on the show. We, Lizzie and I follow each other on Instagram and we have a lot in common. Let's put it, let's put it that way. So (laughs) yeah, I'm really excited to have you here, but Lizzie, let's start as I usually do. What's your story? Like, did you start your coaching business as a side hustle? Yes. Yeah, I sure did. I am, gosh, we've only got an hour. So where do I, where do I begin and end really? It's quite the story. Um, so I, I never really knew what I wanted to do. I mean, growing up, I always wanted to work in fashion, wanted to be a fashion designer. And yes, in like primary school, they were like, what do you want to do? I was like, I'm going to be a fashion designer. I was committed to it. Worked in fashion was a bit like, don't really know if this is for me you know as you can imagine fashion is very competitive and not very well paid so did a fashion degree I worked in buying um which is like product development for Topshop and ASOS so two really big companies um then moved across into social media because I was blogging at the time um and like my family were just like you're so good at social media. Why don't you do it as a job? And I was like, oh, that's, that's actually quite a good idea. So I started, actually started freelancing to begin with. Um, and then kind of like I got a social media manager role three months after freelancing. And that was just kind of unheard of. So that was an amazing experience. And I learned so much about marketing and social media and I use that massively in my business now. And to be honest, even the fashion buying, like I was so many skills, I think never separate your kind of past from your present, your present from your future. Um, They're not mutually exclusive, you know, don't, you know, you can connect the dots, dots, you can make those connections. I think a lot of the time, especially on like the likes of LinkedIn, people are like, oh, but that's not really relevant. And it's like, it is relevant there. There's always some kind of connection where you can link the two or three or however many jobs you've had like me. Um, so yeah, the social media freelancing kind of led me into coaching because I loved working for myself. 
but the social media I just I wasn't enjoying as much as I thought I would so that's why I got into the full-time job and then didn't enjoy enjoy the full-time job so I thought well what is it you know that I'd be good at that I'd enjoy um my kind of icky guy what I'm good at I'm passionate about what I can get paid for and met a lot of coaches and thought oh this sounds fun you know you get to help people and it seems like really rewarding and I've always loved helping people and giving people advice so I thought why not let's let's give it a go and I've never I've never looked back so I guess my piece of advice from that is if you don't have it all figured out don't worry I think the biggest stress and anxiety people have first of all is about money and secondly it's about fear of the future and I think just trust I'm I'm very spiritual so um trust in the universe and know that everything's going to be okay because I've had so many jobs and I've I've left jobs without another job lined up and I've had like quite a kind of tumultuous career I guess so I'd say yeah just believe in yourself and try different things because you never know till you try and it's it's your life you only get one life so don't don't let other people put you off so good well give us the juicy details because this is why we've got you here lizzie so how did you actually do it like what was your mindset what were the steps that you took to be out of transition to actually doing coaching as a full-time business yeah so i was doing it for let's think I was doing it for probably only three months actually before I quit my job but that's because my so I don't know about um in Australia but here you are technically allowed to have a side hustle in a job but it kind of depends on the manager and it's kind of at that their discretion and I worked for a very small company so there was nowhere to hide and it was very obvious to everyone that I was doing my coaching on the side and it just got really awkward. And I thought I almost didn't really give myself the choice, but to just go all in and commit to it. I mean, luckily I had savings. I live with my boyfriend and his family. So the rent is really low. So I totally appreciate a lot of people aren't in the, aren't in quite a, quite as financially fortunate position but um I wouldn't say you know just just quit your job um definitely have some kind of buffer or savings but um a podcast that I love and somebody who's a big inspiration to me is a lady called Carrie Green who's the founder of the Female Entrepreneurs Association and she's um British and she's built a platform supporting female entrepreneurs and I think there's over 300,000 members and it's just really kicked off and in her podcast called She Means Business she says just make sure that you save up enough to live off because a lot of the time our salary is paying us a lot more than we even need so you might be getting paid like 2,000 I would say pounds you would say dollars and um, you actually only need a thousand or 500 or whatever it is. So figure out what it is you need to, I mean, I, I guess it, it really depends how, how you feel about your job. Cause there are people that have a side hustle because they're unhappy in their job and they want to leave their job. Equally. I know people who have side hustles who 
you know, I speak to and say, do you want to take it full time? And they're like, no, I really like my job and good for them. Like each to their own totally. So I would say if you want to take it full time, just make sure you've got that buffer. You've got those savings because you don't, the trouble is, especially if you're a service-based business, like a coach or a marketing expert, strategist, whatever, you're obviously, you're, you're technically selling yourself. So if you're feeling desperate about money, which comes from a, a mindset perspective, so if you've got this, this scarcity mindset, if you're kind of, you know, you're worried about your financial situation, you're worried you're not going to be able to pay your rent or whatever, that's going to come across to your clients and you're probably going to come across as quite desperate and clingy. And that's not your fault because that's your situation, but you don't want to get yourself in that position where you're freaking out because you don't know if you're going to be able to, you know, afford your rent or your bills or whatever, because most people leave their job to be happier. Right? So if you're, less happy in your side hustle than you were in your job that kind of defeats the point of why you left your job so I would just say bear that in mind because I think a lot of people don't talk about that and it's really important because it can really affect your mental health and like your yeah mindset is just so so important and and obviously I'm a big risk taker I'm big on taking risks but I think you do have to have a buffer and some sort of safety net as well Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's like coming from like talking more about that scarcity versus abundant mindset. It's a lot easier to be an abundant mindset when you actually still have income coming in and you're building something new. Like if you've got a new goal that you want to, you know, start a new business and make $50,000 in the first year or $100,000 in the first year or whatever, it's a lot easier to start creating that when you're already earning money as opposed to, not having any income coming in and suddenly being like, oh shit, how do I create this? Yeah, these, um, yeah so I completely agree. But also, you know, it is possible to create that mindset deliberately. And I'm curious to know, Lizzie, did you do any work around that? Like creating a, an abundant mindset to be able to create clients? Mm, definitely. I mean, I, my money story is that my parents ran up a lot of credit card debt when I was about 16 and we lost our family home and it was really awful. They couldn't afford even bread or milk, the basics and essentials. So as a family, you know, we had two choices. We either wallow in misery, unhappiness, panic, fear, or we rise above it and we move on and we create a new life for ourselves. And, um, you know, it taught my parents massive resilience and for myself as well, because, you know, there are people that have probably been through that and ended up on the streets. You know, we could have, anything could have happened. Um, so at the time it was really tough, but looking back, I'm so, so grateful that that happened because it taught me that, the, first of all, the importance of resilience and detachment. I think if you can master resilience, which to me is detaching your emotions from a situation, then your life will just be a bajillion times easier. Like I just, again, that's not 
I really want to write a book because there's so many things that I feel like aren't spoken about sort of like what the gurus don't tell you maybe that could be the title um so mindset is it's massively important and if you're somebody who because we're conditioned from the age of zero to seven so if you're somebody who has always kind of had money and then you suddenly don't you're going to be like oh my god panic mode what's going to happen whereas for me because i've been in a situation where we had nothing i have so much gratitude for money and i feel like like compared to my boyfriend for instance who they've always been like well off they've never had that sort of situation happen to them i just have a lot more understanding and gratitude for money and i could have it could have gone the other way and i could have gone down this scarcity road but I've kind of flipped it on its head and thought that, you know, whatever money I have in my bank account, no matter how much it is, I am grateful for that. And, you know, there, there are billionaires out there who no amount of money will make them happy because they're always just expecting more. So I'd say whatever your financial situation is right now, whether you've got barely anything or whether you've got loads, just be grateful and accepting and happy for what you've got. Um, and I know this is kind of controversial and I don't, I don't do it too much, but if you are ever really feeling down about your, your financial situation or any situation, relationship, health, whatever it is, it does sometimes help to think, you know, there is somebody in the world that would be so grateful for what I have and for my situation. and again like I used to watch I've always been just so aware kind of almost too aware I used to watch video um the adverts of like children in Africa and like ask my mum and say like they're so happy and why are they so happy they have nothing and my mum would say you know they're grateful for what they do have and it really hit me as a child because I thought gosh I'm so privileged and you know you complain as kids about the most well we we do it throughout life our lives complain about stupid things and it just really, I think gratitude, if I haven't said it enough, gratitude is the most important thing. And um, Jenna Black, who's a fellow Aussie, I interviewed her for my podcast and I asked her, you know, how do you manifest money if you're broke? And she said, it comes from, has to come from a place of gratitude. So if you don't have a lot in your bank, that's fine. What do you have a lot of? Do you have a lot of love? Do you have a lovely, I don't know, do you have a nice, not even, I was about to say nice car, but not even materialistic things, you know, do you have loving relationships? Do you have delicious food? Just, and this is where journaling is so powerful. And that's why they say, you know, when you wake up, think about what you're grateful for. When you go to bed, think about what you're grateful for, because that is where abundance comes from gratitude. Because if you're grateful, you can't have a scarcity mindset. It's just, if you're grateful, you can't be sad. It's just not possible. So grateful all day long. I just, that makes me think of just two little things that I think that I don't want to get too sidetracked, but uh, the listeners of this show know that I've, I've moved house a lot. And in our last move, one of the things that I was really super aware of was 
we had about 12 weeks notice that we were going to move. And so Louis, my partner and I were like, okay, let's stop buying any food. That's not just fresh food. Let's use up all the stuff in our cupboards. And we were kind of like, wow, we have so much food in our cupboard. I I challenge you to just do this today, like this week, like go and look in your cupboards and look how much food you actually have. And this is a great way to, to, to feel grateful for what you have and put your attention on having as opposed to not having because you know, I, I don't think I've ever even seen any cupboard that doesn't have at least one can of something in it. And usually it's more like 10 cans of, you know, some various types of yeah. beans or lentils or something. And you can actually live for a long time off that food. So we did not get through all the supplies, the staples that we had in 12 weeks, right? And I don't consider us extravagant people. Like we just go and do our regular shop. But all those like little extra cans of tomatoes, they add up. And likewise, cosmetics and face cream and things like this. Like if you don't actually buy any of that stuff for a period of time and just use what you've got, like don't buy anything new until you've used up everything, like every face cream you have or every body cream you have, it suddenly becomes apparent how much you have. And I've done that as well. Like I just get, you know, as a former teacher, you get gifts, like people give you hand cream and things like this. And we moved to Sydney in January and I'm still just like going through all these creams <laughs> that I've got. And cause I just decided I'm not going to buy anything new until I've used up what I've got. And it's incredibly powerful because we just kind of buy more stuff without realizing like how much you've actually got. And look, moving house can be expensive and I'm not suggesting that you should move house just to realize how how much stuff you have but but it it's make re- you realize yeah it's like it all we just have so much stuff I mean particularly in western society and I think don't get me wrong I have nothing against wealth and money and earning lots of money totally fine but also I'm very much aware of not being in that mindset of I don't have so I need more it's like look at everything I have and look at what else I can create mm. if I want to. I yeah. love that. Yes. Yeah. Totally agree. So I'd love to shift gears a little bit, Lizzie, and talk and just pick your brain a bit because we've got you on the show and you do have a background in marketing. So I'd love to talk about sales and using social media for sales. And I, I know in some circles, sales can get a bit of a bad rap, but I'd like to try and look at this from a really positive angle. Like I think sales are great. Like you're yeah. offering a product to someone that they want and you're getting a payment in return, like win-win if you ask me. But let's, I'll, I'll put the floor to you, Lizzie. Let's talk because I know that this is a common thing that people have issues with selling you know and putting themselves out there on social media so how do we get over it what can we do teach us some strategies amazing gosh where do I even start I love sales and I loved talking about sales and I think first of all if you're saying that you hate sales 
you know, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Your action is going to reinforce that affirmation that you've created for yourself. So think about, you know, what, what could you say instead? Maybe not, I love sales, but maybe, you know, sales comes easily to me or, you know, think of those affirmations that you could actually believe in, but are a lot more positive than sales make me feel sick, which I think they do for a little, for a lot of people. And I think especially for women, because we have a lot of imposter syndrome, self-doubt, um, lack of self-confidence. We're not kind of many used to the hustle. They're used to this primal brain of like going for the kill. Whereas women are, you know, we're caretakers, we're, we're loving, we're nurturing. Luckily sales is moving into a space of being more nurturing, being less wolf of wall street and more kind of like, I was about to say mother Teresa then. I don't know why that came into it, but let's go with it because not that you're a charity by the way, but it is, there has to be a fair exchange. So like you said, sales really is selling something to somebody that wants it or needs it. So if somebody is not showing any interest, it's like you have to compare it to, if you're a service-based entrepreneur, you have to compare it to like a, a clothes shop. If you're looking at, you know, if you're just walking around the store and the shop assistant comes to you with a pair of jeans, and um she's like oh what do you think of these jeans and you're like oh yeah they're nice but like I'm not I'm not looking for jeans like I'm good and she's like oh really but these jeans are like they have this wash and they're like this and then and you're like no actually I'm good I don't want jeans and she's like forcing these jeans on you that you don't want them that's when sales becomes icky and I'm working with two coaches at the moment and I would highly recommend every entrepreneurs get a coach because it's just the accountability is so powerful and you will make so much more progress you don't need to reinvent the wheel just get somebody to show you the way and um, make your life easier because life is life is hard so they're teaching me about you know client acquisition clients on automation and what I found at the start of my business why I was struggling with sales is because I was attracting people that weren't or I was not forcing my services but people were coming to me who didn't really need my services you know maybe they wanted the free coaching call and you know if somebody says no typically because of our primal brain and our ego we take that on as personal rejection and like oh, it must be me there must be something wrong with me I'm not good at this I'm gonna throw the towel in I can't do this anymore I give up and we don't for, because our ego gets in the way we don't take a second and the, this pause is so important by the way between stimulus and response to think you know why did they reject me was it a reflection of me or was it a reflection of them did they see the value do they want this course do they want what I'm selling to them do they need it are they my ideal client and a lot of service-based entrepreneurs don't have very clear messaging and they're also not clear on who their ideal client is. So if you're struggling with sales, it could be a whole multitude of things and it, it can be combinations of these factors. So it could be, like I said, the, the mindset. So the imposter syndrome, the self-doubt, those negative affirmations that you keep telling yourself that becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy. 
It could be that you're not clear on who your ideal client is. So therefore your messaging is wishy-washy and you're attracting, you're wasting your time and time is our most precious asset. You're wasting your time talking to people that don't value you. They don't really want what you're selling and you're wasting each other's time really. So I would say that, you know, client acquisition is so it's obviously integral to any business you know if you're if you're not making sales if you don't have clients then you know you've just got an expensive hobby you haven't got a business so I would and I know that you know not everyone can afford a coach but again that could be like a scarcity mindset I've put every coach I've had on a credit card and I and I say to myself I will pay this back I don't know how let's let's release the how as human beings we are so obsessed with how how is this going to work how am i going to do this nope let's get rid of the how and just trust in the universe that you will be able to pay that credit card back so that you pay that credit card off and because you'll be getting so much value from that coach and i i personally have from my coaches and my clients do do to me like i i'm happy to say to my clients put it on your credit card because i know that they're going to get the money back to pay their credit card off. So I think it's, there's so many different cogs when you're an entrepreneur to figure out and you really, you know, outsourcing or getting the help. I think, especially as women as well, because we're such caregivers, we are, we're not very good at asking for help and we think we can do it all on our own. And then when things don't work out, like we're not making sales or not getting any clients in, we think, you know, as I said earlier, it's a reflection of us. And because we don't have the support or accountability, we just want to give up. And I'm sure there's there's plenty of entrepreneurs out there that have given up and they've just thrown the towel in and just got a full-time job because it all, all just becomes too much. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I think, like I said earlier about the resilience piece, if you can detach emotion from sales, then it becomes so much of an easier process. Like I said, you know, if there's an objection or any sort of rejection, think about why that was. And I listened to another one of my favorite podcasts is the Positivity and Prosperity podcast. And she interviewed a sales expert and she said that objections are a smokescreen for somebody actually being interested. So if somebody just straight up doesn't want to sign up, they'll be like, nope, don't want to do it. If somebody says to you, oh, I need to speak to my partner. Oh, it's not the right time. Oh, I don't have the money. At any point, did they say no? No, they just, they're, they're saying to you in a very subtle way, how can I do this? How can you help me to do this? And it's up to you to, you know, figure it out with them. So a payment plan or, I mean, I've like, my coach has sent me every objection under the sun and how to deal with them. And like my clients get access to that. And it's so powerful. You know, if, if somebody says I need to think about it, okay, brilliant. Totally understand. Can we catch up within the next 24 hours? You know, never leave it long. There's, there are so many hacks in sales. I just, I don't even have, and that doesn't mean it's sleazy, by the way. That just means that you're managing the process. Or if somebody says, you know, I need to speak to my partner. Okay, brilliant. When will you get a chance to speak to them? 
would they like to come on a follow-up call with me? Do they want to ask me questions? I'd be more than happy to speak to them. Instead of just being like, oh, okay, you don't want to sign up. Okay, thanks for your time. Bye. We hear the rejection and we think rejection means no. So then we go into panic mode, kind of that amygdala state of mind. And we think, oh my gosh, they don't want to sign up. This is too awkward. Get me out, get me out, get me out of this situation. And then yet yeah, you pretty much end the call. So just breathe. I mean, there's so many, before sales, you know, you can do like jumping up and down. You can do breathing. You can, you can really kind of prime your brain to get into that kind of state of mind. And then throughout the sales call, you know, just, just release the fears, release, release the expectation. I think we have far too much expectation of ourselves in every area of our lives, our relationship, health, career, whatever it is, release those expectations and just get on the call. See if you can help that person, you know, offer them tons of value, explain to them the the value that you're going to be giving them through, you know, the results they get or the transformation, because every business, no matter what it is, offers a solution to a problem. So if the people you're speaking to don't have the problem you solve, what the hell is the point in speaking to them? There's just, there's no point. So I think people are like, oh, sales call, exciting. I turn down 40% of my applications because I have a question, you know, do you have the financial resources to invest in your personal development? If people say no, I'm not going to speak to them because I don't have the time. I didn't have the time to be offering free coaching all the time. I did that at the start and I burnt myself out. So, you know, don't be afraid to protect yourself. It's not selfish. You can't pour from an empty cup. You've got to, you've got to look after yourself as well. Oh, absolutely. And that was that, long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good though. There's lots of points. And I think what you just said at the start though, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot to touch on there, but even just that when you say you use that analogy of the pair of jeans, yeah, if the person doesn't want what you're selling and they say no, that's okay. Like there's no, that doesn't mean that, yeah, you're not valuable or what you're selling isn't valuable. It's just not valuable to them. And so what? Like there's plenty of things that aren't valuable to me. Like there's lots of stores that I wouldn't go into because I'm just not interested in what they've they've got. Or even maybe it's just, it's not the right time. Like there's lots of coaches that are sort of in my sphere that I'm interested in potentially working with. But right now where I'm at in my business, it's like, yeah, I'm not quite ready for that yet. Or, you know, I'm, I'm just, so I can see that. Yeah. I think that's, don't be afraid. Like if somebody says no, like it's totally fine. You might not be right for them at that time, but also there are objections that people give that I think are not real objections in the sense that, you know, often it boils down to money or time and, or, you know, a partner, actually, why do you need to talk to your partner? I I mean, just because, I mean, like personally, I would talk to my partner because that's something that I do. You know, we, we just talk about stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I decide if I'm going to buy something or not, not my partner. I mean, I'm an individual person. I mean, I just think that's an interesting, an interesting point that people bring up. And the time and money, 
I totally agree with you. Like often that's actually people just need help resolving that because they actually don't know how to work that out. And often like that's why they want coaching in the first place because either they're overwhelmed or they're just, you know, need help with creating more money. And so like they actually need help with, (laughs) with that aspect. And so I find that sometimes an objection is a good thing because you can work through that with the person and then they can either leave the conversation with you feeling great about saying no or feeling great about saying yes, like either way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. They should always feel good after the call and so should you. And one of my coaches said, always go for three no's and it can feel uncomfortable. Like when I started, you know, practicing what my coaches taught me, I did feel quite pushy, but what I thought was pushy wasn't like forcing something on somebody that doesn't want it like the jeans analogy if somebody has given you the the hint or an inclination that they are interested and they've just got you know the self-doubt the kind of scarcity mindset about money or time or whatever their objection is you know it's your responsibility as a service-based entrepreneur and especially a coach to talk it through with them And this is where, when I'm on a sales call, I really talk about the value of my course. You've spoken about kind of, you know, self-doubt and lack of self-confidence. That is something that I'll help you on through through my program. You know, this, this this is why you need my program because of what you've said just now. And, you know, the fact that you're reluctant to sign up actually means that you do need the program and that's that's not me playing with their mind this is not mind trickery it's it's just you know I actually think that a lot of people want to be challenged like I've I've been reluctant to invest before I don't think anyone unless you're like got tons of money but maybe even then you wouldn't it's like yes sign me up here's my credit card put thousands of pounds or dollars on there nobody's like that open to it but for me it's it's about you know the person who I'm buying from or myself as a coach empowering the client and empowering to you know empowering them to make the decision and to feel amazing about it like I had somebody who signed up and she had a lot of regret about it and she was like I don't want to do it anymore and I was like that is totally fine you can have your you can have your deposit refunded because I don't want to work with somebody who doesn't, you know, really want to do the program. She might want to do it later. She might never want to do it, but that's okay. You know, I, I let her go and you do have to let those people go. You don't, you don't need to hang on to them. I see, I see the client um, service provider relationship very similar to dating. And if you couldn't tell, I love an analogy and with dating, you know, you're not going to force you're not going to force something that isn't there. At least I hope not. You know, you, you want to find the right match. And, you know, if something doesn't work out, you know that, you know, there'll be somebody out there for you. You know, you've just got to, just got to find them or, you know, wait for them to come to you or whatever. So yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, the three no's. And my mum said to me, actually, something that I've carried with me throughout my whole life is, sometimes what people say is a reflection of them as opposed to reflection of you. 
but if if you if they've hinted to you that they're interested I think like I want to be challenged if I'm if I'm interested but my my self-doubt's holding me back because that's the point of a coach to challenge the client I challenge my clients all the time if I didn't I'd be a pretty bad coach because you know change doesn't come from inside your comfort zone it just doesn't so you know I'm like this is just a taster of working with me you know like I'm going to challenge you on those objections and find out if those objections are the real objections or if there's something hiding underneath. But if somebody which just wasn't interested, well, first of all, I wouldn't even have the call with them. But if I did, I wouldn't try and sell to them because it's like flogging a dead horse. There's just, there's, I think a lot of it is just reading the situation, which you learn as you go, really. That's right. And Lizzie, I'd love to ask you if you've got any tips on how do we utilize social media? So for those people listening as well, who aren't coaches, just in general, like when we're trying to sell a service, how do we utilize social media to do that? Yes. Um, So organic social media definitely isn't dead. Um, I know a lot of people talk about kind of ads and paid advertising. I'd always say if you're going to invest in paid advertising, get an expert or a strategist to help you because if you try it on your own, it's, it's a minefield. I mean, I've worked in social media and I don't understand it. So I've actually got a coach to help me with it. I'd also say, you know, always show up as yourself and that involves showing up on video. So I know that a lot of people, especially my clients hate video. They just, they can't, you know, there's a lot of imposter syndrome, self-doubt, lack of self-confidence, a lot of mindset issues and things around that. So people like to know the person behind the business, especially if you're a small business. So if your engagement is dropping and you're not really sure why, just play around. Social media is meant to be fun. Upload some videos, do some lives, do some fun Instagram stories, do some Q and A's with your audience to find out what type of content they want to see so I'd say you know social media doesn't have to be complex or I think a lot of the time the gurus overcomplicate it and I'd say on that note you know stick to two or three platforms don't try and be everywhere because you'll spread yourself too thin and like I said earlier you've got to be clear on your messaging and in order to do that you've got to be clear on who your ideal client is And I do a lot of work with my clients about that because I ask them questions that they'd never dream of asking themselves. And those questions are important because people buy really based on emotions. So you have to think about, you know, what are are their pain points? What are the problems that I'm, I'm, I'm offering them a solution for? So it's really important to get that across in your messaging. Your messaging should be either, you know, emotional, educational or fun. I would say my highest engaging content has been me dancing around or having a breakdown. So people love to see fun or emotion. So if you want engaging content, you know, put yourself out there, try out different things. DMs are so powerful and direct messaging it doesn't have to be sleazy it doesn't have to you know you shouldn't be copy and pasting you shouldn't be spamming people all the time whenever somebody adds me as a friend on facebook i will always message them and say 
hey name it's great to connect how are you or if somebody follows me on instagram i do the same and that's not me expecting a sale that's me just connecting with that person and seeing you know can we collaborate can we like i just i love expanding my circle of inspirational empowering supportive people so dms for sure video not getting fixated by the numbers i think followers you shouldn't really worry about uh comments are more important than followers so and i always say you know social media is a bit of game so you've got to you've got to play the game so if you're not getting many comments or engagement on your posts it's probably because you're not commenting or engaging with other people's posts because the algorithm is going to prioritize your post over somebody else's if a it's a video if you're an account that engages with a lot of people and that can include dms stories comments um any way of sort of engaging it's going to prioritize you against somebody else it's kind of like a competition so just yeah make sure you're kind of you've got the highest chance of your post being shown and that is really the point of you know visibility if you're if you're not seen then nobody knows what you do so kind of like what the point so i'd say um yeah definitely kind of i think a lot of people don't understand how the algorithm works but that's pretty much it in a nutshell i mean i could talk about it for ages <laughs> yeah i think that's a really important point that engagement and that's actually a good reminder for me because I love it when people message me when it's, you know, if I, if I do something just like that, like follow a new account and somebody says, hi, you know, it's hi back, which is really great. And, um, and using the person's name, I think is a thing. I mean, that I look at because sometimes I don't even know who the account is run by. Like, who is this person? (laughs) literally yeah yeah like that personalized approach is so important and you know don't get caught up in it just you know set boundaries I I don't really go on my phone at the weekend because I find social I'm I'm an empath so I'm very kind of emotional and I find social media quite um what's the word emotionally taxing and it can be quite toxic so definitely detox from it when you can set those boundaries so set aside half an hour to an hour per day to just go through your like people that you've connected with recently or to go through your feed and don't just mindlessly scroll you know whenever you're on social media make sure that you're being intentional with it and you're actually using the time to engage with other people's accounts Yeah, that's really great advice. And I love what you said about being yourself because when you show up as yourself, then there's no, that is your brand. Like you're just being yourself, which I really love. And that's something that I'm learning more about recently because when I first started my podcast, I was working as a school teacher. And in my personal life, I swear like a sailor, but because I um was a teacher of primary school students, even though the podcast was outside of my work domain, I felt an obligation to present in a particular way because, you know, my students may have come across my podcast and and listened to it. 
Whereas now that I'm not teaching, I feel more like now I'm transitioning into being more of, I mean, not more of myself. I've always been myself, but in the sense of there's a lot more swearing in (laughs) this recent season of my podcast, which some people may have noticed. But uh, I think that's a good thing in the sense because when I work with my clients, I swear, like that's who I am. And so if you don't swear when you're coming across on social media and then suddenly, you know, somebody walks into your shop and you're swearing all the time, they might get a bit of a shock. And I think the other side of that is that if people are offended by that, they're not my people, which is so great because they're not going to follow me and they're not going to engage with me because they're not going to like how I come across. And so I think that's a really important point to just be who you are. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny one that I've sort of learnt because, I mean, under normal circumstances, I probably would have just sworn, but because, you know, I had this sort of social, I felt like a, a moral obligation because I, I people, I was a role model in the community in that sense, like for little children, you know, tiny people. I mean, with adults, adults are fine. If they don't like swearing, they can just, you know, click off, move away, you know, you have your own free will. But yeah, yeah, you know, such an important point to be yourself. And then you never have to worry about how you show up because you're always just showing up as yourself. Mm -hmm. So true. And you, yeah, you can only keep up an act for so long. How exhausting must it be to not be yourself? So just like I said earlier, you know, life can be difficult. So let's just make it easier for ourselves. That's right. All right. Well, wrapping up, Lizzie, I'd love to know, do you have a habit or ritual or practice that you do around money that you'd be happy to share? Something that you do that helps you? Yes. Um, Well, what I do that I absolutely love and my clients, I get my clients to do it as well. And I spoke to a client just before our podcast and she was like, oh my God, journaling is the best thing in the world. Like they, they literally love it. And people are like, journaling, huh? what's that? It's basically the most cathartic experience you will have. You just write down your thoughts. You don't question them. You don't think about them. You just scribble them down. And what I get my clients to do is to read over their thoughts and question whether those thoughts are coming from a belief that is theirs or is somebody else's because a belief becomes a thought, a thought becomes a behavior, a behavior becomes an action. And like I said earlier, from the ages of zero to seven, we're being conditioned and programmed by our parents, teachers, peers, etc. So a lot of the thoughts that we're having um, as we get older aren't coming from beliefs that aren't even ours and they're therefore not serving us so you might be having a thought that um you know I never have enough money so I would say to my clients you know question that thought is where is that coming from because there's or there's always a root to a thought is it because you know think about your childhood is it because your parents said growing up we never have enough nope, you can't have that much pocket money. No, you can't have pocket money this month. No, you can't go on this school trip. It's too expensive. Can't do this. You can't do that. We don't have enough. Or you overheard them arguing, whatever it may be, that's going to condition you later on in life to have a scarcity mindset and not the best relationship with money. 
but that's okay because you can change that. So then what I get my clients to do once they've thought about whether that thought is coming from a belief that's theirs or not, is to tap away that thought or and or belief. So what I get them to do, um, I can't really, I was going to show you, but it's podcast. So um, what I'd recommend for your listeners is to look up EFT or tapping on YouTube and I have my own unique way of doing it with my clients. So the belief might be that I never have enough money. So it would be like I release the belief that I never have enough money. And they, they literally like tap their skin, like their temples, their nose, their chin. And the physiological reaction is, I don't know what it does, but it's transformational. And you, you do feel a lot lighter and that you've just got away you've just got rid of that excess baggage that you don't need then once you've released it i say to my clients you know take a deep breath in and out think about the belief you've just released and create a new belief and that new belief becomes their affirmation so i i am big on affirmations i have an app called i am which is like everyone needs to download it it's they send you affirmations throughout the day. I've got mine set to the maximum of 30. So I get 30 affirmations between 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. every day. And it just brightens my day. It's incredible for a mindset kind of trick. And so I'd say with affirmations, you know, this app is great, but you've also got to create your own affirmations that are relevant to you. And when you journal down that sort of belief and you create a new one, you have to, you know, You've got to practice that every single day, even in the morning. And I also say with affirmations, practice them in the third person. Because like I said earlier about detachment, it detaches your emotions and yourself from that belief. So it would be, you know, Lizzie is amazing with money instead of I am amazing with money. And it just feels really empowering and powerful and if you practice that, you know, if you say that 10 times in front of the mirror every day, I guarantee that over a period of time, you will start to attract more money into your life because, and it's important to do it in the morning or evening because that's when your brain is in alpha state, which basically means that the windows or doors to your subconscious mind are open. So you're more likely to reprogram those subconscious beliefs that your parents or peers or teachers taught you. So journaling tapping affirmations just like you know being aware of how you interact with money if you're if you feel guilty about spending if you don't have many savings if you've never been able to save if you never you've never had enough money you know think about why that is because there's going to be a root belief that's causing causing that to happen you know there'll be actions that you're taking and i know this is the cold harsh truth being honest here there is you will be you create your reality so you will be taking action to meet actions to mean that you're broke so you've got to find out find the root of that so that you can i kind of again another analogy it's like flowers and you have to see your subconscious mind like a garden you're not going to plant new flowers on top of dead ones you know you've got to pull out the dead ones You've got to pull them out from the root. And that's kind of how I see your subconscious mind. It's like masking. You can't, you can't mask a smell. The smell's going to come back. You just, you've got to get rid of the smell. So it's like getting rid of those beliefs, 
planting new ones and practicing those affirmations to cement that belief in your mind and your life will change sometimes quicker for others sometimes slower but it will change 100 percent. absolutely and i love that analogy i think i'm gonna borrow that one for sure <laughs> no worries i give you permission <laughs> right so lizzie where can we find you yes so find your mojo coaching on instagram facebook linkedin yeah those are my three main platforms so love to see you over on any of those platforms really i'm active on all of them so come and say hey drop me a message fantastic and you've got a podcast as well lizzie what's your podcast i do my podcast is called find your mojo all right i will put links to all of the places we can find lizzie and all of the things that all the people she's mentioned today i've been writing notes as i've been listening to you talk so lizzie thank you so much for giving us your time today you're welcome and a little plug if that's okay i am offering free uh one-to-one one-hour coaching sessions for your listeners so they can book in through the link in my bio or my instagram or email me find your mojo coaching at gmail.com whatever's easiest but if anyone is kind of struggling with anything i've discussed today um then yeah get in touch and we can we can have a chat amazing oh that's very generous thank you lizzie and thank you so much for today thank you so much for having me well there you have it lizzie gave us some great tips to help us take our side hustle full-time and sell with ease sales doesn't have to be icky as we have learnt today i hope you can take some of the great points lizzie has taught us today and apply it to your own circumstances and super awesome that she is offering you guys free coaching. So definitely look into that. So if you would like to take this work deeper and work with me on your money mindset, I work one-on-one with clients who are ready to make change to overcome their money blocks and create the result you want on purpose. We are all capable of creating extraordinary lives for ourselves. Sometimes we just need some help to point out our blind spots and connect with our future self, the person who has already created what we're currently dreaming about. I can help you get there. All you have to do is connect with me wherever you are following me. You can email me through the website or DM or message me on social media. If you want to stay in touch between episodes and stay up to date with all things Money Mindful, get onto the mailing list follow me on Instagram or Facebook. All the links will be in the show notes. Have a beautiful week until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Money Mindful podcast. For more info, visit moneymindful.com.au. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe. And remember, the information in this podcast is of a general nature only and does not take into account your personal circumstances or goals. Please seek professional advice for your own financial needs. Remember to have fun along the way.